Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A beautiful and vivacious young woman never shows up for work. And that second, I knew something was wrong. Surveillance footage appears to hold a clue, but only ignites frustration. Every step the guy takes, the bar covers his face. How is that possible? And loved ones are left imagining the worst. They don't take females to sit them in a corner and look at them. I'm sorry. The investigation tracks dozens of suspects. She told me, these guys are creeping me out a little bit. He constantly told her, I love you, I want you back, and she was telling him it's over. But the mystery persists, leaving a community gripped with fear. We had never had a case like this in Orlando. A 20-something girl has vanished. And for years... Family and friends struggle to find answers. Could Jennifer have possibly been put into an empty unit and been banned and gagged? I don't know, but I don't believe that Jen's dead. January 23rd, 2006. It's early evening in Orlando, Florida. And 24-year-old Jennifer Kessie is driving home after a long day of work. As tired as she is, she couldn't be happier with the way things have been going at the office these days. She's been getting great feedback on her performance as a financial analyst. She actually got promoted three times in the first year, year and a half of, of getting out of college. And it, they were all earned. Jennifer's parents aren't the least bit surprised that she's hitting it out of the park at work. She's been a dynamo since the get-go growing up near Tampa. She could talk in sentences at a year... I just think how much fun it was watching her grow physically and watching her personality grow. Captivating. She was captivating with the long blonde hair. She never wanted her hair cut, so she wound up with hair down past her waist. She was my very own doll. 
a superstar in school, Jennifer had a thirst for learning. She always read growing up, always wanted to know more about just everything around her. Just extremely, extremely inquisitive. Always was, always was. We fought like cats and dogs, I may say, in high school. Those were our tough years. And it wasn't until Jennifer went to college. And that first weekend that she came home, our relationship shifted from her being an 18-year-old child who left to go to college to her and I having that adult relationship. Very special. The father-daughter bond that Jennifer and I share, we were able to talk on so many different levels. She had answers. She had theories of what is right, what is wrong. Jennifer attended the University of Central Florida, where she thrived academically and socially. Joined a sorority, met a bunch of awesome, awesome girls from 80 Pi. She just lit up a room when she walked in. The smile would come on, and she always had a smile. After graduation, Jennifer remained in Orlando, where she received several job offers. We used to say, reach for the stars, you just might get one. I mean, it's just the old cliche of saying it, but Jennifer took it to heart. That's when she accepted her position as an analyst for Westgate Resorts. She could just see everything and take everything in where someone like myself, I can see most of the picture, but she saw the whole thing. On that cool January evening, Jennifer's en route to a new condo she's just purchased for herself. It was right across the street from the biggest, beautiful new mall that you could possibly have in America at the time. And that attracted Jennifer. She, she was a shopper. And I was proud. At the age of, what, 23, she was sitting there in a gorgeous place that she bought with all her own money. Jennifer knows the neighborhood has some rough patches but the nearby mall makes her feel safe. They were trying to really make that area nice. There was a lot of construction there at the time. Safety has always been a priority for Jennifer. She's methodical about checking in with her family members who live a few hours away outside Tampa. She spent a lot of time calling people just to be safe. And I remember thinking, like, why is she so almost obsessive about it? And later on, I learned that was because Drew and Joyce had instilled that in her. My wife and myself, uh, we were held up at gunpoint before we had children. And that was a harrowing experience. And ever since our children uh, became the age to start to understand, we taught them safety. We taught them everything that we knew about safety. And I could honestly say to this day, Jennifer is probably the safest person I know in the world. Jennifer has just returned from St. Croix with her boyfriend, Rob Allen. They met at a restaurant and have been together for about a year. When I noticed Jennifer in the bar that we were at, obviously she was a striking young lady. Found her very beautiful. These days, their relationship is long distance. Rob lives about four hours away in Fort Lauderdale, so the couple treasures their getaways. Obviously, there was difficulties with both of us living in separate cities, but we made the most of spending weekends with each other. We'd go to the beach, we'd go out to bars or restaurants, or we'd do just general fun things that, you know, when you first start dating, you tend to do. During their trip to St. Croix, Rob took the opportunity to introduce Jennifer to the important people in his life. 
as we progress in our relationship, not only do you want them to meet your family, you also want them to meet your friends. So we made the trip and uh, had an incredible time. Jennifer, always wanting to keep the connection strong with her family, checked in from the trip. She called me three times from the island. And I mean, you know, she's there for four days and she's calling me. Oh, we just did this. You know, you told us to do this. And like, fabulous, go have fun. As she makes her way home, Jennifer also talks to her younger brother, Logan. The two siblings have always had a strong bond. Logan and Jennifer, um, fiercely protective of one another. Absolutely best friends. They were just like, okay, it's you and me against mom and dad. When Jennifer gets home, she's ready to take it easy. She'd slept at Rob's the night before and is just content to be in her own place. She was going to have some dinner and just go to bed. She was tired. Uh, she ended up talking to her mom that night, and she ended up talking to her best friend that night. She also puts in her nightly call to Rob. Before we went to bed, we told each other we loved each other, and you know, I told her I'd see her soon and that I missed her and, and vice versa. The next morning, it's business as usual at Westgate Resorts. That is, until Jennifer Kessie fails to show up. Her boss is perplexed. Jennifer is never late. So when she misses an important 11 a.m. meeting, he calls the Kessies, whom he knows. Asked, hey, uh, is Jennifer okay? She's sick. She didn't make it into work today. Jen, as responsible as she was, would call if she was running late for a meeting. They never got a call. Jennifer's parents are surprised by what her boss tells them. When they'd spoken to Jennifer the day before, everything seemed fine. Drew immediately tries to call his daughter. There's an unwritten rule that if your mother or your father call, no matter if you're 16 or 24, you pick that phone up. It's the first time that it went directly to her voicemail. Didn't ring four times, went directly to her voicemail. And I called back my friend and said, well, I can't reach her. And then Joyce couldn't reach her. And that second, I knew something was wrong. Jennifer Kessie's parents are on high alert she hasn't shown up at work, which is highly unusual for her, and she's not answering her phone. They immediately contact her boyfriend, Rob. He's in a meeting, but still takes the call. He tells them he hasn't heard from Jennifer either. Jen would always call me or text me on her way to work. On that morning, I never got the text message or I never received a phone call. I called her and texted her on my way to work because I hadn't heard from her, which I thought was kind of strange. But then I know both of us had just got back from vacation. So I just assumed that she had a busy schedule like I did. And Rob said, wait, I, I've already called her home. Her cell phone went right to voicemail. At that moment, I felt as if someone put a knife in my heart. After about an hour was still no word from Jennifer. Her parents and younger brother, Logan, decide to act. And said, hey, nobody can find your sister. We got to get to Orlando. 
the family begins the tense 90-minute drive to Jennifer's condominium. Going out there, I called the manager of the complex, and I said, hey, my daughter, we can't reach her. Can you go down and see if her car is in her parking spot? If Jennifer were home, say, too sick to answer her phone, her Chevy Malibu would be parked in space number 2226. He said, sure. He went down and he says, car's not there. When the family arrives, they enter Jennifer's condo, and nothing appears out of place. We're greeted by her suitcase from her trip, which she didn't unpack. Kitchen immaculate, no dirty dishes in the sink. Took a look around at everything, and everything was pretty much untouched except for her bedroom. She had slept in the bed, a couple outfits laid out, bathroom, towel was still damp. That would make sense because we got there at 3.30. Jen usually left for work between 7.30 and 8 in the morning. The only things that appear to be missing are her purse, keys, and cell phone. But then, her family notices something troubling. A canister of mace Jennifer usually carries with her has been left on the counter. They immediately call police. A police officer arrives. And looked around and he said... Had a fight with her boyfriend. She'll be back and walked out. The Kessies called Jennifer's friends, but no one has heard from her. They need to get the word out. We had flyers printed with Jen's picture and a description of her car with a license plate number so that at rush hour, we already had her friends and family standing at the key intersections that her car drove through to go to and from work. We knew we had to get her face out into the community in case she drove off a road somewhere. Anything could happen. You, you just don't know. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Time is so of the essence. 80% of all people taken are missing, are taken and missing and done with in the first three hours. The family also learns several disconcerting things about Jennifer's complex. More than half the units are unoccupied, which means fewer potential witnesses. There's no security camera in the parking lot and the gates are left open to allow construction crews in and out. I believe it's not outside of the realm of possibility for someone to have been watching her because how easy to watch someone's comings and goings. It wasn't too long right after that that every single media outlet picked it up. I was in the newsroom and a fax came in a fax of a flyer of Jennifer Kessie that said, missing. And in news, you don't just go. You have to wait until the police departments are notified. But I remember in this instance, I didn't wait. I don't know why. We went anyway. I remember coming around the corner into the complex, and I noticed we came right through the gate 
that was supposed to be a security gate drove right in. Didn't have to call anybody, didn't have to push in a code. As soon as she meets the Kessies, Shannon has a gut feeling there's not a harmless explanation for Jennifer's disappearance. This is not the kind of family where the daughter would vanish to blow off steam. And I remember seeing a woman that was absolutely the mother. She was standing next to the staircase. She was crying. And she turned around and looked at me, and I remember just mascara running down her face. And I remember when we did that interview, she knew so little. The interview was only a couple of questions because she didn't know anything. And I thought, my gosh, they know nothing. Later that day, detectives are assigned to the case. We're looking at 5.30, sun coming down. As a father, in the back of my mind, okay, we have to find Jennifer before the sun goes down. Nothing good is going to happen after the sun goes down. It's our best chance. By 9 p.m., Jennifer is officially entered into the system as a missing person. A be on the lookout is issued for both her and her black Chevy Malibu. We didn't have a direction even to go to say, okay, we need to go this direction. What are we going to do about it? We had nothing, absolutely nothing. If you have a female taken, they don't take females to sit them in a corner and look at them. I'm sorry. Is she still alive? If she's not alive, how was she killed? Is she fighting? I hope she's fighting. I hope she goes down fighting. You become incredibly desperate to the point where you're screaming. You're screaming for help. We were screaming for help, that we need everyone's help. Please, don't shut us off. By Wednesday morning, Jennifer's picture and the description of her car are in the local papers and on television. Flyers continue to be circulated throughout Orlando, but there is still no sign of her. Not a car key, not an earring, not a cell phone. How is that possible? We were just looking on the streets, anywhere we could for anything that was Jennifer's. Finally, on Thursday morning, the police receive a call with what sounds like an actual lead. A resident living at Huntington on the Green, an apartment complex less than a mile away from Jennifer's condo, reports seeing a black Chevy Malibu like the one on the news in her parking lot. When we found Jennifer's car, we definitely knew something was wrong. She didn't just run away to take a break. Something bad happened to her. Investigators confirm it is Jennifer's car and are quick to note the area is known for drug activity. It wasn't an area that this girl would have ever been. It was a rough part of town. Before detectives go any further, they decide to bring Jennifer's boyfriend, Rob Allen, to the scene. While the family has been speaking highly of Rob, he has acknowledged to investigators that he and Jennifer argued on the phone the last time they spoke. Detectives want to see what Rob will do when they open the trunk of Jennifer's car. Sometimes in our investigations, we're looking for a reaction. We want to see how you know, a normal person would react to something and how a guilty person would react to something. Rob agrees to go. I just, you're just praying, you're hoping that nothing's in there. 
I guess there was just like a pit in my stomach, just thinking to myself, is this really happening? Is this something that I've really got to go through? Detectives open the trunk and watch how Rob responds. Can you imagine? He doesn't know if Jennifer's arm is in there, a leg. He loves this woman. They just went on vacation. To everyone's tremendous relief, nothing is found in the trunk. However, Rob is overcome with emotion. There's still no sign of his girlfriend. When it was popped open, I had a sense of relief, which is bizarre because you want to find Jennifer, but you want Jennifer whole. So there was definitely a sense of relief that nothing was in there. Police work, I guess. But I don't know how you ever get over something like that. She wasn't in there. But that doesn't mean he'll ever forget popping that trunk open. And as detectives continue to search Jennifer's car, they encounter more questions than answers. When I got to the car, I'd noticed that A, the seat had been moved. It wasn't where Jennifer would have had the seat. Police also note that there are valuables, including a DVD player in the car. There was property in the car that wasn't taken. If somebody was looking to rob her or steal property from her, they would have probably taken some of the items in the car. Judging from the amount of gas in the tank, detectives also determined that the car has not been driven around much. Her car had not been out on a joyride and used up excessive gas. Everything seemed to be consistent with her normal daily patterns until she went missing. As they continue searching the car and the area, investigators come upon what could be a key piece of evidence. There was surveillance cameras and there was video footage of that time and they were functioning. A pair of security cameras is perched on nearby roofs and everyone is eager to see and hear what this new lead will yield. He said, we have pictures that we want to show you. Now, you know, we're like freaked beyond. And we're thinking when you have this, this is it, buddy. This is the end for you. They've got you on video. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When Jennifer Kessie's family learns there are security cameras in the parking lot where her car was found, they believe they now may be on the heels of her abductor. One camera reveals a wide shot of her black Chevy Malibu pulling into the lot. Then someone gets out of the car. But in a blow to the investigation, the image is too grainy to make out any detail. The driver also walks right into the path of a closer camera. But what at first appears to be a lucky break only muddies the investigation. Every three seconds a picture's taken and previous picture, he's behind here. This picture, he's behind the gate fence again. Next one, he's behind the next post. Just the luckiest man on earth. Every step the guy takes, the bar covers his face. How is that possible? in a million-to-one shot that would, have, that would never happen again, ever. As lucky as anyone ever gets. The obscured image confounds everyone who tries to identify it. My first reaction when I looked at it, I said, it's an adolescent. And the detectives looked at each other and they're like, what makes you say that? And I said, abnormally, big feet, long, ganky arms. When we look at their clothing, it really it's very basic. It seems to be khaki pants with the white t-shirt on. If you look at the legs, to me, one leg seems to have a rubber band at the ankle as if he or she was going to ride a bike, a motorcycle, or work on a lawn, maybe with a trimmer, an edger. And I did notice at Jennifer's condo that the landscapers tended to use the same exact suits. He could have been a landscaper, he could have been a painter, and he could have worked at several restaurants in the area. Unfortunately, it just wasn't something that was able to stand up. That person of interest, the suspect, they won't even come out and say if it's a male or female because they're not even 100% sure. Detectives speculate that Jennifer could have gone to the apartments with the person caught on camera. Perhaps she rode along to the apartment complex to buy drugs, tried to walk home, but was too intoxicated and ran into trouble. 
but police dismissed the theory after learning about Jennifer's straight-laced way of life. She wasn't living a risky lifestyle. She was the safest, smartest person amongst her friends that they referred to her as Mother Head. As the video was analyzed, police zero in on the parking lot. When the car was finally found, they were able to get the dogs out there. The police bloodhounds immediately trace a path from the car straight to Jennifer's condo. Walked around and walked directly back to her property, which was one mile down the road. Dog went immediately to the bushes underneath her condo. Two days since Jennifer's disappearance, search parties begin the grim task of combing through wooded areas around and in between Jennifer's condos and the apartments where her car was found. You go around the corner and there was a big field behind the complex. And when you looked around the corner, you could see officers. And they would come up with a shoe or they would come up with a shirt. And Drew had to look at every piece of that. She doesn't own that shirt, she doesn't own the shoe. Uh, good for him that knew so much. My father would have no idea what pair of shoes I owned. He knew if it was hers or not. And um, she wasn't there. And then they have to do bigger searches. We had over 1,400 people the first weekend go out and look for her. We were just looking on the streets, anywhere we could for anything that was Jennifer's. Several days into the investigation without any substantial leads, police take an even closer look at people in Jennifer's life. They hone in on an ex-boyfriend and add him to the list of suspects. One of the suspects during this case was actually another one of um, Jennifer's. It was an ex-boyfriend of hers. He was actually devastated when they broke up, um, really devastated. And she had to fight that a little bit. He constantly, constantly just, you know, told her, I love you, I want you back. And she was telling him, you know, it's over. Uh, and we found out afterwards that he was actually in a bar, the Blue Martini, across the street from her condo the night she was taken. Supposedly very, very drunk. For a long time, people thought you were awfully coincidentally right across the street. And she goes missing. Jennifer's ex-boyfriend denies any involvement in her disappearance. Really, nobody is ruled out. Everyone is a potential suspect that could have done something or been involved in her disappearance. And until we find her or are able to close this case, we can't really rule anybody out completely. Detectives are also interested in the construction crews working at Jennifer's condo complex. Some laborers admit they have been living in the empty units. Workers everywhere, because it was a apartment-to-condo conversion. There was just a lot of activity. Jennifer, probably within the first couple weeks, um, she did feel a little uneasy with, with the amount of workers that were around. She always felt that the workers and the people in the neighborhood that were doing the construction would always stare at her, kind of give her that leering look, Whenever Jen wasn't in her car or wasn't in her office, whenever she was walking to her condo from the gym, from her car, she would always be on the phone. And I know for a fact she told me, hey, look, you know, these guys are creeping me out a little bit. 
But as soon as detectives start asking questions, the men who work there are nowhere to be found. They disappeared so quickly. It was amazing. Well, we found out they were all illegal, basically. 90% of them were illegal, and they weren't going to get caught. When we finally were able to go through every documented worker in this condo association, it was in the hundreds. And unfortunately, of the ones that we were able to locate and verify, we were unable to prove they were involved in her disappearance. I think that there is someone out there now that looks over their shoulder every single day and wonders if today will be the day that they get caught. Four days after 25-year-old Jennifer Kessie vanished from her Orlando condominium, her family is at a complete loss. But things take a turn when they learn from her co-workers at Westgate Resorts that a married colleague has been fixated on Jennifer. She called me one day and she said, I'm really having a problem at work. This guy wants to go out with me bad. I just don't know how to tell him. I don't want to go out with him. I said, well, just simply tell him that you don't date people at work. Never mixes. And she had that conversation. Um, he didn't take it too well. His obsession wasn't exactly a workplace secret. Her co-workers say he would brazenly ask Jennifer out while the two were working together. Adding to the suspicion, he was late the day Jennifer went missing. Which immediately throws people into, you know, their ears were up, they're watching him. And the next thing out of his mouth was, well, she's probably eaten by gators by now. Okay, so we go to, I want to date you, to, well, she's probably eaten by gators. Really? Upon hearing this bizarre comment, a manager from Westgate Resorts notifies police. But the intriguing lead dissolves like so many before it. It turns out the rejected co-worker had been late for work after getting a speeding ticket and becoming enraged at the officer. He ripped up the ticket, so he got pulled off the jail. Jennifer's loved ones grapple with a sense of dread as days turn to weeks and weeks turn to months with still no sign of the vibrant beauty anywhere. I kept hoping as the days, as the months went by that Jennifer's gonna be found. I don't want to go down that road where the 48 hours after 48 hours, it's a lost cause. Investigators pursue even the thinnest leads. When a call comes in saying someone saw Jennifer in a mysterious white truck, they swing into gear. A tip came in of a person matching Jennifer's description and a truck pulling into the wooded area and then leaving. So that area was searched by over 100 people. And unfortunately, we found no signs of Jennifer on that search either. The tip, like so many others, provides nothing but false hope. The Kessies live in a paralyzing limbo, not knowing what has happened to their beloved daughter. But in 2008, two years after Jennifer went missing, new life is breathed into the investigation when a construction worker questioned at the time of Jennifer's disappearance is arrested for statutory rape. My gut has always been that that worker knew something. I don't know if he was the one, but I do think that he knows something. 
When Orlando detectives speak with him, he confirms doing some work at Jennifer's condominium. Being safe, Jennifer would come home at lunch, let them in, stand in the doorway open with someone on the phone. The last time they were in, she had me on the phone. The workman tells detectives she simply told him to lock the door when he and the others were done, and then she left to go back to her job. When given a polygraph test, he passes. And I said, that absolutely cannot be. He lied to you because I was on the phone with Jennifer one of those days. She didn't say lock up on your way out. She would not do that. I would like to take him and one other guy, his buddy, and shake them upside down and tell somebody, told me, because I think one or both knows something. But without any evidence linking the workman to Jennifer, investigators' hands are tied. You knew the devil got her somewhere. But where is she? That was the problem. You knew it was bad. But how do you not find someone? Detectives stay in regular contact with the Kessies, who do whatever they can to keep Jennifer's story out there. Now, one thing that we did do is we put playing cards, deck of playing cards, just like we used in Iraq for the 52 most wanted Iraqis. Well, we used playing cards with Jennifer's picture and information called Crime Line, and we put those 100 decks into our jails and said, let them play with the decks, and we got a call. In December 2008, a prison warden alerts the Kessies that a convicted killer on Florida's notorious death row has seen the cards that confirm information about different missing persons. The inmate claims to have information about Jennifer that he will only tell her father in a face-to-face meeting. Drew offers to be wired. Drew offers to talk to him. Drew has nothing left to lose. Authorities warn that inmate David Russ has tried to pin other crimes on another prisoner before and not to trust him. They say if he mentions a certain name, it is game over. It means he is bluffing again. Drew sits with Russ, who goes on for 20 minutes before finally telling him he has information about the man who murdered Jennifer. It's the very inmate Drew was tipped off about. This guy uses those code words that they knew. And at that point, I mean, just like a punch in the face to Drew. Not only did you you screw with my emotion, not only have I had to prepare for this, and you wasted my freaking time again and Orlando Police's time again. And just like that, a desperate father's hope vanishes. For 10 long years, Jennifer Kessie's family has lived in their own personal hell. Suspects come and go, and leads dry up. Over time, Jennifer's family has zeroed in on what he thinks is the most plausible explanation for what happened to his daughter. I believe that Jennifer has been trafficked. The Orlando police say human trafficking is one of many theories they cannot rule out. During the time that Jennifer disappeared, a major human trafficking organization was taken down in the Orlando area. But without any evidence linking Jennifer to a particular ring, 
investigators are stymied. Years without answers have taken a terrible toll on Jennifer Kessie's family. I've literally sent myself crazy. I've verifiably gone crazy twice over this. It makes me nauseous. It makes me nauseous. It makes me want to just curl up in bed. Uh, on a good day, it makes me want to run to the beach and just plant myself and stare out at the water endlessly. I literally had to take a step back. Otherwise, my family will cease to exist. And that's what really happens is the evolution of the heinous crime of abduction. While Jennifer's disappearance has been devastating for her family, others following the case have also been deeply affected. For reporter Shannon Butler, it's the story she can't let go. It looks totally different than it did back when she lived here. There was no gate that was closed. The distance between the parking spot and her apartment really wasn't that far. She didn't even have that far to walk. This is where they found shoes and clothes that they used to drag out and call the parents and say, is this hers? Could you imagine? Is this your daughter's shoe? But if she was back there, nobody would find her. Whenever Shannon returns to the condo, she experiences the same chilling feeling, but gets no closer to unraveling the mystery. I hate coming here. Every time I pull into this complex, and we've been here many times since then, it gives me the creeps. My hair stands up. Something probably happened right here. Her door, just feet away from the stairs, and how dark it is back there. She could have gotten here, and someone grabbed her. There was nobody living here, really. So I don't know that anybody would have heard her scream. There is a gap of time that we don't know what happened to her. I lost sleep for years over her because I was that age 10 years ago. And it could have been me. Detectives say they continue to follow every lead, old and new. Jennifer's case, even though it's going on 10 years or where she's been missing, it's still a very active case, very large case. And really, nobody is ruled out. We've probably got six tips this weekend um, alone on Jennifer. It's rough, I think, 10 years of hard work of everybody that's worked this case trying to help resolve it. And I still don't have the answers that we want to have. Ten years of endless searching have sometimes felt futile to Jennifer's family. Look at all the people we have actually met over. And how many of these people the are now retired? Retired. Mm -hmm. But they've never given up hope. We know someone knows what happened to Jennifer. We, we know that. All we want is the opportunity to have our daughter back so we can do the things that need to be done for her. Over the years, the Kessies have become tireless advocates for families whose loved ones have gone missing. We've actually helped create four laws in the state of Florida. Drew and 
Joyce Kessie. I want to thank them on the behalf of all the missing persons and the families of the missing persons throughout the United States and Florida. In June 2015, the family gets a much-needed happy moment. Jennifer's brother Logan has his first child. Drew and Joyce are now grandparents. And wherever she is, Jennifer is an aunt. And that new life is now three months old. And uh, the best joy, the best joy. Although Jennifer's family finds comfort from the new addition, they simply will never feel whole again until they have answers or find Jennifer. I don't think they'll ever have closure, ever. How does that happen? Who disappears? Gone, nothing. Not a hat, not an earring, not her keys. Where are the car keys? Somebody finds it, a hunter, a fisherman, finds something, a shirt. Somebody sees something. It's a part of my life, and it will always be a part of my life. I love Jen and love Jen's family. And I'll do whatever I can to help her come home. If everyone in the world knew about Jennifer, then we know where Jennifer is. And that's our job, is to try and make everyone in this world know that Jennifer Kessie is still missing. What I would really hope for people who become aware of Jennifer's uh, journey is it can happen to you. None of us are invincible. None of us are exempt from crime. You can be doing the right thing in the right place. And if evil wants you, evil will get you. And evil stole Jennifer. But evil will not steal her memory from any of us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.